Linoleum knife. A podcast Lino- of the cinema. Linoleum knife. That's you, the name you, of this you podcast. You guys, we've only been doing this for I, almost 13 years. Just, You'll have to forgive us if we're still figuring things <clears throat> out along the way. I got distracted. Did you? I did. I got a little distracted, and my microphone was turned around, and I had to return it to my mouth position. But now it's here at my mouth position. Uh, mouth position and over there is Dave White. I'm Alonzo Duraldi. We're film critics, and this is our podcast. Yeah. Um, and I have a complaint. Uh, you do? Yes. What about? Uh, you. Um, Am I bad? <laughs> That's a lengthy question. Hmm. Let's. How to answer. What's the complaint? Well... Your schedule is disrupting my life. Well, I'm terribly sorry. I'm, I'm so in demand. Your schedule is disrupting my life, and it's making us do a recording like every day this month, even on the weekends okay. when I should be uh, frolicking and gambling. Yeah. Yes. But, and I wrote a book, and, and you beca- edited that book, and it ate into our lives. But then also now you're traveling again. There is You're going to be gone for like five days. Yes. And and you were just gone traveling a while ago, mm. not even that long ago. And you are deeply uh, ruining my attempts <laughs> to institute summer hours for this business. Well, you get and this is a business, but you get all those days off while I'm gone. No, actually, I don't. How's that? Because I've got one thousand tasks to accomplish. Okay, that's not my problem. No, it or is or my fault. It is because I'm I'm doing things related to again this business that we. I run, see. While you are the one out frolicking with your little friends <laughs> at the little Christmas event or whatever. At, Bramble Fest is work. Yeah. You know what it is. It's work. It's it's also frolic. Oh, I see the I see little the, friends. I see the photos that, that, that come back from Bramble Fest. Oh sorry, I'm smiling in them for everybody's me. smiling. <laughs> having a good time. How, how dare I? I'm, listen, do you see me smiling? <laughs> You, that's ever, on, ever, again, do you that, ever again, see that's me smiling? You. Is that a thing you see me do? <laughs> you are the one when when everybody says cheese, you say Limburger. Like you, you always have a you have a, a you got a face on your head where you don't want to smile for pictures. Uh, I have a face on my head that knows what a camera does to it when I smile. And I'll tell you what happens when a camera points itself at my face and I'm smiling. I look like a psychotic murderer. Not true. I do. It's Not true. Not true. Some, yep. Sometimes, sure, but we all have yes. our moments. But I, I, you have many lovely mm, photos taken of you. Surreptitiously. If I'm genuinely smiling or laughing, and it's always Gary Cotty. <laughs> Friend and neighbor Gary Cotty's like, oop, look, he's having a good time. I'll, get, I'll document this. I don't know where the photo is being taken. And then I get the picture, and I'm like, oh, look at me. I look so adorable. Gary Cotty took a picture yeah. of him and me on one side of the table. Yes. And you and Chris Gardner on the other side of the table. I was having a legitimately good time with food. But you also knew that the photo was being taken, and you looked. Yes, I did. However, y'all were making me laugh and saying dumb stuff. Okay, well, that's the secret then. Yeah. 
food, laugh, dumb stuff, and then uh, you, you'll you'll be you'll be the cover so model you were always meant to be. I am a frequent smiler and laugher because my friends are idiots and are always saying dumb stuff, mm-hmm. um, usually about farts, and that is a thing that I think is hilarious, and I will laugh. Um, but in, quite often, I am not being photographed uh, during those in times. those moments. Um, but then someone points a camera at me and says, smile. And I go, um, F you. That is not what's happening. So remember, everyone. Because I'm not going to fake a smile for you. Point to camera. I will look like a, I will look like a maniac. Point to camera at Dave White and say, I cannot fake smile. And then smile. you'll get chuckles. Have you seen photos of any other of my brothers where they are being forced to smile for cameras. This is a genetic quality gotcha. that all four of us, myself and my three brothers, we all share this thing where we just don't do it right. Well, yeah. Miss J would tell you to do more mirror work. I do all kinds of mirror work. Okay. With the music and the mirror and the chance, the chance to, to dance. <laughs> tell you what. <laughs> Don't 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 come to me. You with mirror work. You so rarely reference the the Broadway musical. Listen, I, I want to bronze. I have this. a lot of things inside of me. <laughs> I want to bronze this moment <laughs> that you just did a Donna McKechnie shout out. <laughs> uh, remember where you were when you heard this, kids. Um, I think longtime listeners have heard me tell the story of owning the soundtrack. Yes. They brought original, the original cast album. The original cast album of yes. A Chorus Line, yes. the, the musical, the stage musical. Yes. In which it was determined by me at a young age that adults, grown-ups, sophisticates listened to the Broadway yes. songs. And I thought, well, that's going to be me. Indeed. I'm going to be sophisticated like an adult because I'm already an adult. I'm 11. And so... I'm putting on my smoking jacket and I have a brandy snifter full yeah. of Kool-Aid. Let's do this. I'm 11. It's time that people recognize me for the sophisticated adult that I am. Indeed. And I uh, got that record. And I was like, hmm, I don't understand why I'm supposed to like this. <laughs> but I kept listening. And you know what? Those songs, they get into you. They do. They get into you. Uh, in fact, I learned the song uh, called Nothing mm. quite well. In fact, so well that when my dear friend, Anne, performed it at the high school talent show and and got herself censored. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. They made her change some of the lyrics uh, because of, you know, cussing, taking the Lord's name in vain, and which is cussing. Oh, that's, yeah, I forgot, yeah. yes. And uh, and she was like, can you believe this? And I was like, I can't. <laughs> How dare they? Outrage. <laughs> um, You know, I still got a soft spot for that record, even though I... After, Kelly Bishop is on it. After, after all. yeah, after 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 punk rock came into my life, I, I I think I got rid of it. Like mm-hmm. I was like, mm, screw this, I'm tough now. And um, but you know, I still I'm, I hear it, and I'm, all the lyrics are still in my head. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So um, I I will be like doing dishes or something, and and suddenly like I'll be in the middle of Hello Twelve, Hello Thirteen. If a if a seriously mounted. Revival came along to Los Angeles. I, I might even go. 
Because the, the only taste in my mouth is the movie. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, that's, you know what I'm saying? I, I saw the, uh, the 1982 Broadway cast. Yeah. I've told this story before. I believe you have. I was, I was 15. I was visiting my brother in New York. And everybody he knew had already seen it. So he took me to see it. To this day, I like to tell him, you know, I'm only gay because you took me to see a chorus line when I was 15. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a whole bunch of other reasons why you're gay. It's true. Your parents forced you to go to the opera when you were a child. (laughs) Your brother took you to a chorus line, gave you books about like Greta Garbo and stuff. Different brother, yeah. A child, you, uh, you. It's really somehow managed to get that Esprit catalog (laughs) delivered to the house. I pinned it all on Via Allegre, really. Pre. Pre-International Mail, you had the Esprit catalog. Uh, darn tootin'. We're going to talk about that Esprit catalog again soon. At, in fact, the very next time we do an episode of Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife. Yes. Because it matters to this particular episode <laughs> and this particular film that we're about to talk about. Um, in fact, why don't we just talk about it? We're going to do... Uh, Electric Dreams. Electric Dreams. Which is now on the Criterion it's Channel. It's on the Criterion Channel. I think it deserves to be there, but we'll talk about why when we talk about the, yes. the thing. I even want to go into a letter that we got. Um, oh, regarding our last... Uh, yeah. Because we, we just did a, a more about Kenneth Anger's uh, Scorpio Rising, which right. is a short... Because he just recently passed away at the age of 132. Uh, yeah, basically. Um, no, he was 90-something. He was 90-something, because his birth yeah. date is sort of... Called into question. It's 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 in a vaporous mystery. Yes. Um, but the, um, the Scorpio Rising, this landmark film that he made uh, in 1960. Two through 1964, uh, 28 minutes long. Yeah. And we talked about it on on a Patreon show we have called Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife. Our conversation was about the length of the film, probably. It was. It was about 25 minutes, and the movie is 28. Um, and we hinted at, we're about, we're, we hinted at a much longer film that we're going to do soon. Um, maybe the longest film that we will ever talk about. And so... Uh, we've already talked about Satin Tango. Might this one be longer? Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. You don't know yet, do you? Because you're, you're not us and you don't know what we're talking about. But somebody guessed. Daniel guessed. He said, uh, I'm going to guess Out One or some Lav Diaz film you haven't talked about yet. <laughs> well, Daniel, you'll just have to... Cool your heels and wait and see, won't you? You'll find out won't when you, you find out. And not a minute before. Right. So, um, but yeah, we're fixing to talk about uh, Electric Dreams. You have seen it countless times. Yes. It was a formative film yes. for you as a young uh, as a teen, queer teen. <laughs> and I had never seen it until last night. When we watched it. And you're the one who's the nut on Giorgio Moroder. I am the nut on Giorgio Moroder. But, you know, uh, I still hadn't seen it. So, uh, if you would like to enjoy the Scorpio Rising discussion, if you would like to enjoy the Electric Dream Electric Dreams discussion, or the discussion we just had about the film Cruising, mm-hmm. which we did before Scorpio Rising, or the... Nearly 90 other titles that we have done episodes on. We're closing in on 100 episodes of Oof. 
Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife. Um, you subscribe to LK Patreon for $1 per month. That's one starting at $1. $1 per month, and you get Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife and a backlog of nearly 100 episodes where we talk for an extended period of time about very specific films. You also get LKRX, where Dave recommends awesome things. Okay, TV, a podcast about television. Well, that's for more than a dollar. Linoleum, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to pay more for these other things. Uh, Linoleum Knife and Fork, which is the food podcast that we host, uh, even though we are uh, unqualified. And then uh, LK Club Meetings, once a month. Mm-hmm. We watch a movie together. And then uh, Linoleum, Linoleum Nights. Nights, where we just talk about anything, and that's that's where we, adult subject matter. Yes. For adults. Yes. Anyway. And you can watch us record it live on Facebook. Yeah, so that's what you get. Patreon.com slash linoleum knife. That's right. There's your ad for Patreon. All right. We're going to do the other letters near the end of the show. Uh, While you're gone, I've already booked uh, fun times for myself. See, I told you. With uh, my friend Chris. We have a standing date for any period film starring... Maggie Smith or Judy Dench or any combination of them. And those films come along. With some regularity, with yeah. some regularity. So there's a movie coming out at the end of the month called, oh no, wait, what's it called? The Miracle Club. The Miracle Club. Maggie Smith, Kathy Bates, Laura Linney go to France in the late 60s. Like to Lourdes, right? Yeah, they need a miracle from, the, from, from Madonna's daughter. <laughs> yes. And the... <laughs> So they go. And I te- here's how you get, I'll tell you, you know, of all our dear best close friends, you know who doesn't respond to a text? Chris. Yes. You know how to get him to respond to, respond to a text immediately, like before you finish typing it. Mention Maggie Smith. Say, hey, you want to go see an old lady movie with Maggie Smith? <laughs> Come on now, you know you do. And he's like, 100%, percent, 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 percent. percent. <laughs> Yeah, y'all were first in, y'all, yeah. y'all actually camped out of the theater for Ladies in Lavender. We did. We sure did. <laughs> Had tents. <laughs> little, 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 uh, we were the first people to have Yeti coolers. And we, <laughs> we brought those along. We were the beta test. And your Limoges for, China. For Yeti cooler. And also, yeah, well, that's where we had our hot tea. Right. In a, in a, in a, in a Limoges pot and yes. little cups. Um. The only Yeti product we own are the ones that we were given as a gift. Yes. <laughs> Stuff is so expensive. They're great. But it's it's like, so yow. expensive. Yeah. Crazy how expensive that stuff is. But it works. But everybody who's got a Yeti has a sticker that they send you when they give you something from mm-hmm. Yeti. And and uh, uh, they put it right on their car. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's right, everybody. My other car is a Yeti. My co- <laughs> There's a cooler in this car. It's a Yeti. Would you like to break into my car right now? <laughs> Steal a $400 cooler? You could do it. It's right here. It's right here. I'm tipping you off. Well, let's talk about some films. Let's. We are halfway done with 2023, which is are we? crazy. Yes. That's great. But I did not. I hate this year, so I I'm did, glad that we're half done with it. Yeah. I did not do like a top 10 list of the year so far. But I will say, if you haven't eh, seen Are You There, Got It's Me, Margaret, yet. Go see. Are you there? Got it to me, Margaret. Oh, are we promoting films that have already played in the in the past year and telling people to watch them? 
Okay. Well, then Passive Fiction is streaming now. There you go. Albert Serra's astonishingly great film, Passive Fiction, that is incredible. And actually, uh, one of my favorite films of the year so far, we'll be getting to in this episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Not that one. What? What? I know. Shocker. But I'll tell you, with the exception of Bumblebee, this is my favorite Transformers movie. Um, I mean, okay, I, all right. I saw it two days ago with Gary. Yes. We walked, oh, this is funny. We walked in to the Grove and, uh, he said, you know what? We should ask them if it's okay for you to go see half of Oppenheimer one day and half of it the (laughs) next day. And I was like, no, no. No, we're not going to ask anyone anything. No. I'm an AMC Stubbs A-plus member. I can do whatever I want. I can go buy a ticket to a movie and watch the first half and then get up because my arthritic hips hurt and then I can leave and then I can turn right around the next day and get another ticket to the same movie and just waltz on in. I, You know, I would say, and we talked about this before, you should probably get your ticket scanned of At course. Showtime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get a scan, and then I'm going to go get a little snack somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I did that. I'm so, And when I get there and hit, get it scanned again, I'm going to say, hey, uh, I've already seen the first hour of this movie, <laughs> so I'll be back. I'll, I'll catch you later. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> Can I bring you anything back? But I said, we're not asking permission. No. I'm just taking up. Listen, there's nothing you're not doing anything hinky here. Membership has its privileges. That's right. And I'm uh I'm a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said my, so. <laughs> my body my body is a problem right now. It's you know? also a wonderland. Um Both things can be true. It's Mr. Toe's wild ride is what it is. <laughs> Everybody wants Mr. Toe's wild ride. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I went to see Transformers, mm-hmm. Rise of the Beasts. And here's what happens. I'm going to lay out the plot Please, yes. for everybody. Okay, so there is a thing. It's like a giant anus in space <laughs> made of metal blades. And yes. it eats planets. Right. And it's called Unicron, which... That's the name of a union-busting corporation that wants to privatize water. Or it's a misspelled unicorn. Anywhere it wants to, anyway, it wants to eat all the planets. Right. And Unicron wants this key, right? There's a key, and that's it, but the key's in two parts. And one part is in the hands of Dominique Fishback. She's an antiquities expert yes. at a museum in Brooklyn in 1994. We're, we're going back. We're going yeah. way back. And the other part is in the possession of the Maximals? Yes. And the, if they are a part of this franchise's canon, I am new to them because I never remember from film to film who is what. Uh, they were in like the toys and the cartoons, but they've never been in the movie. All right. Well, good. Now I'm off the hook for knowing anything. Yes. Okay. So it's 1994 and Dominique Fishback works for a museum. And then there's Anthony Ramos 
And he's trying to find a job, but he can't find a job. And then they accidentally meet after Anthony Ramos accidentally steals a Transformer car named something something Mirage. Mirage? Is yes. that the name of the car? It's a anyway, term. Mirage goes clonkety crunch, and then it's a robot. Yeah. All right. And that go and Anthony Ramos is like, ah, what's happening? Oh no, sorry. Mirage isn't a shapeshifter any more than the other Transformers are, oh. but he can throw other versions of himself so that people don't know which one is the real one. Yeah, but he turns from a car into a robot. Yeah, but all the Transformers do that. So Anyway, he makes the noise. He yes. does the twisting. <laughs> he does the clonkety crunch and then right. he twists. And that's always my favorite part of a Transformers oh, yeah. movie. When they all go, and then boom, I'm a robot. Yeah, That's good. If you could just do a supercut of all of them doing that, <laughs> it would save everyone a lot of time. I bet you one exists. Just a hunch. So then comes Optimus Prime. He's the only one whose name I've ever remembered. Right. Uh, and they all go to Peru. Yeah. And the people in Peru are like, oh, yeah, we're done with all the Transformers. They're nice to us. But they've got to connect that key part to the part that the Maximals have or Something, and this is going to make it easier for the Autobots. That's Optimus Prime. He's an Autobot, yeah. right? Okay. The Autobots have to go back to their Autobot planet, which because they've been stuck on Earth this whole time and they need the key to do it. But also, if they lose the key, they get stuck on Earth forever if something goes wrong. And then there's a big fight well, the, with, the, the, with the other bad robots that are called the... Decepticons. No, it's something else. Okay. There's a guy named Scourge. What's his? What's, what kind know. of robot is he? I don't know. It doesn't. I matter. don't really know. Anyway, the, the 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 dilemma here is that the same key that takes the Autobots home is also the key that the bad guys will use to eat Earth. Right. So, you know, Optimus Prime. You know, they they should destroy it. But if they do, then Optimus Prime is forfeiting his possibility. Right. So it. that's the look. I won't tell you what happens. No, it never. There's a spoiler though, and the, the, again, but there's a big fight. Yeah. And and then at the end, uh, everyone's happy, and uh, Anthony Ramos gets a job. And they do a little franchise work, seating, working with somebody. Another spoiler. I won't tell you what yeah. it is. Um. Yeah, you're about to see um, the tentacles of this franchise and yet another franchise mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, make sweet love together. <laughs> yes, it's Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I wish. Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't oh, that be good? Different, now you're different, talking. It's Hasbro and Mattel. That's, you can't have, mm, you can't cross-pollinate. Bummer. Like yeah. Um. All right. Do you like it? Did you like it? What, what about it? What'd you like? I mean, look, the, these movies are all pretty silly. What do you like? What I like <laughs> is, I I was never on the sort of Michael Bay vulgar auteur bandwagon. I just think he's his. You just is, think he's vulgar. I think he's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> he is. By the way, uh, he's vulgar. And so I like the fact that I could follow what was going on here, both narratively and visually. You know, when a robot punches another robot, you see it all happen, and it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Again, however, when an army of 50 robots show up and start running around, then it all becomes... Uh, Nothing uh, makes any know. sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I also like the fact that I liked Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback. They're very talented, and yes. they, they imbue these characters with more life than they probably were written <clears throat> to have. Yeah, they are super appealing uh, people. Yeah. And... 
if they're going to stick around for these movies, and I guess they probably will if this is going to be a, think, like, yeah. part two or something. Um, good for them. They're going to get they're going to get majorly paid. Exactly. Um, but I think also they get they're given things to do. Yeah, more than other humans in these films. Exactly. Sure. I yeah. feel like other humans these movies do a lot of standing around and like they're actually in the in the action, which I thought was was a smart move. You got to You got to know. I'm not an actor. I don't really know how anything works, but being in these kinds of films or any big IP driven film at this point in history yeah. has got to be a super weird acting challenge because you're doing it with nothing. Well, you're doing it in a room of nothing. And well, that's that's you don't, that that's not IP exclusive. That's most movies now are in a room of nothing. Like I like I just said, I'm just saying. Well, all movies are IP exclusive these days, though. Well, that's all the true. major studio films are driven by some pre-awareness <laughs> situation. But even though even the ones yeah. that aren't, for the most part, even like movies you wouldn't think would be green screen heavy are green screen heavy. Name. Can you name one off the top of your head, uh, or would you need to go do some? Off research? the top of my head, no. But okay, I do. I, but I know that that's. But I know you're right. That's a standard thing. Now. Yes. So little women. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but no, and all the more Bob so. Bob Odenkirk was hugging a sock when he said, "My little women." <laughs> all the more yeah. so in an IP-driven movie, for sure. Um, and and you read that. So that, it's like I, I think making these movies is like auditioning on Zoom, like <laughs> like when you like when you watch the other two and K- Carrie has to audition on yeah. Zoom. <laughs> you, I mean, you read that piece in Paste about how like IP is killing movies in general. They talked yeah, about yeah. how like actors more and more are sort of vocally like, yeah, I'm done. Like this Marvel thing seemed like it was fun and the pay was nice, but like I can't. There's no acting going on here, right. you know. Um, You're standing doing things. Yeah, but I I, I think they're going, oh no they're trying to like <laughs> get something out of this. Yeah. Um, so here's what I think. Are you done saying what you think? Yeah. It is coherent, like you said. It is very dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, as dumb as any Transformers movie. Um. But because I could follow it. It felt more like a real movie instead of an an overwhelming audiovisual experience. <laughs> Having said that, I did wear earplugs. That was a good plan. Uh, because I learned at Fast X and Guardians 3 that earplugs are now my new best friend. Yeah. At a big theater, at a big screen, loud, crashing, squalling film like this. It has five people writing it. <laughs> and somehow, even with five people writing it, all the dialogue is like this. You can't give up now. You taught me never to give up and always believe. And friendship is very important. And these robots taught me about truth. <laughs> that's that's the dialogue. Uh, but it's being delivered by some of our finest actors. <laughs> Gary was really bored and hated it all. Uh, uh, I mean, did, did you see, like, who's playing the voices of the robots? I like, did. So, yeah, that's what I said. People got paid. That's a good thing, because Michaela, uh, Michaela J. Rodriguez from Pose is uh-huh. one of the robots. Our neighbor is one of the robots. Coleman Domingo. Coleman Domingo is one of the... Michelle Yeoh. Coleman Domingo and Michelle Yeoh are... Not our neighbors. The, our neighbors. But yeah. One of our neighbors yes. um, is a voice actor. Yes. And... Uh, and all he does is cartoon villains and uh, monsters because 
you think I have a weird voice? This guy makes me sound like, uh, like Frankie Valley. Yeah, like a BG. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you recognize the voice of the um, the Peruvian VW minibus? Yeah, Danny Rojas. Yes, <laughs> Christopher Fernandez. <laughs> um, so you know, it's whatever. It's yeah. A, I mean, it's it's a thing to go watch if you don't have any other things going on in your life. Like, I went in with scraping the floor expectations. Right. So the fact that I found it like moderately amusing and entertaining was like a, a delight. Yeah. I um. I was thinking about our future recently of being old Uh and thinking, what would happen if we went to live in Atlanta where your family all lives? Like to be near the family because we're going to be 100 and need help getting around or whatever. You always want to be near people who can (laughs) drop what they're doing to come pick you up off the floor when you've fallen down. When you get to be 85 years old. And we're going to be 85 years old, like, in three months. Pretty much. And so... Just around the corner. I was thinking about, like, what would my life look like in Atlanta? And so, of course, the first thing I did was go look up what art house cinemas are in Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) And I need to tell you something. There ain't much. Well, I think the Terra closed, which is where I used to always Well, I think it reopened. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Phew. Um, no, the screening room closed, and a few other ones. Yeah, there were. More they have a, a land. They have a landmark multiplex. Oh, okay. In Atlanta, and do you know what's playing there? Transformers, Transformers Rise of the Beast. <laughs> so this is a problem. Eh, by that point, it, it, this will all, all art house will be to, streaming. Do so. we need to win the lottery and open an art house in Atlanta? Oh, yeah, that's where the money is. It won't matter. We'll have won the lottery. Oh, I see. Gotcha. And we will have I'll money to just loss. throw away. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. I'm sure Kurt Holman can tell us where the art films are popping up. I can't. Listen, I just saw. Uh, do you live in Los Angeles or Southern California? Are you listening and live in Southern California and or Los Angeles? You need to get your ass to the Lumi Hair Music Hall on Wilshire. I'm tell you why. I've been going there since before the pandemic. It used to be run by the Lemley Art House chain. They gave it up. Now it is independently owned and operated. Yes. And they have such a wonderful thing going on there. It's a three-screen place. It's a it's the it's the cinema equivalent of a dive bar because <laughs> There is, I mean that very nicely and, and, and well. It is unrenovated mm, yeah. in, in a way that I really approve of and that I, I love. Okay. Uh, people renovate these movie theaters and they give it all these bells and whistles that, frankly, you just don't need. And I like, I like an old school uh, theater. So that's what this is. At any given moment, <clears throat> Lumiere is screening two dozen films and they have perfected the staggered rotation of screenings. They are open all day, right? And they'll play a film like the one I'm about to talk about, De Humanic Corpus Fabrica. I'll say the name again in a second. 
and it will be available for you to watch three to four times in one week as it rotates at various times on various days in their schedule. You go to their website and you can pick from, again, two dozen films that are always in rotation at various times on various days, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes in the evening. You pick it, you book it in your mind, and you go. You can't pre-buy can't pre your ticket. you got to walk up to that box office. There's no reserved seating. You better get there before someone takes your favorite seat. That's what I mean by old school movie theater. Really? I love that place so much. It was the last theater I went to before the pandemic. Um, And I go there as often as I can. And that is where I recently saw... And you did not go with us because you could not... Uh, well, I was out of town for one Right, day. but even when I told you what it was, you were like, no, 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 no. Yeah, once yeah. you described me, I was like, yep, nope, not kidding. Okay, so uh, long-time Linoleum Knife listeners will recall me uh, being effusive about uh, uh, the film Leviathan, which is a documentary that takes place on a fishing boat. And also about the film Manakamana, which I tricked Alonzo into going to see with me at the Lumiere, which at the time was still the musical. No, at the Royal. Nope. Yes. Wrong. You're right. That's correct. I am right. Before it was Lumiere, when it was still musical, uh, right. owned by Lemley. Yes. Uh, we went to see Manakamana, which was a documentary that takes place in a cable car going up the hill to a Nepalese shrine. And down. Also down. (laughs) Made by the good people at Harvard's Sensory Ethnography Film Lab. And they, uh, a variety of filmmakers work within the Harvard Harvard, uh, Sensory Ethnography Lab. And... The two people who made uh, Leviathan, uh, Verena Paravel and Lucien Castang-Taylor, have made De Humani Corporis Fabrica. That's their new documentary. It is currently still playing at the Lumiere. And in other art house uh, places around the country, if you go to the Grasshopper website, they will tell you what places, what towns, what nights, what museum or art house theater it's playing at. So it takes place in a variety of French public hospitals, about six or seven of them. And it is about people uh, living and also dead uh, being cut open. <laughs> And it's also about it's a movie the, that Dave White has been dreaming of his it's entire also life. about the people who work in these uh, different hospitals and who care for those people. Uh, and so on that level, because of the things those employers are saying and the things you see them doing, it is also not only about the humans who are in this place, but about the institutions themselves that even in a place like France, which has a, you know, social welfare uh, government, those institutions, much like the NHS in England, are being gutted piece by piece, little by little, uh, by the garbage governments that are in charge of maintaining them. The, gar- the, the garbage governments that, that made a promise to their people. Yes. 
and are now slowly retreating from that promise, bit by bit, inch by inch, one sellout thing at a time, one budget cut at a time. Late-stage capitalism strikes again. Yeah. So anyway, it's about the people who work in these places, and people being people, those those doctors and nurses and other employees are... Uh, they are argumentative <laughs> in French, and they are complaining in French, and they are uh, compassionate and simultaneously caring, but also at this point somewhat inured to things like people dying in the ICU. There's a long conversation that begins the film where some nurses are talking about how there's one patient that they have who's been in the ICU for so long that they're attached to him but they know he's going to die Ugh. and how they're dealing uh, with that. And he's also a young man as well, a guy in his 20s. Now, it is also extremely graphic with regard to its surgical sequences. So you see a lot of everything. Uh, tools going into incisions and holes and... There are autopsy, autopsies, and you, you visit the morgue. There's brain surgery. There's eye surgery. Mm. Oh, it's that eye surgery is something else. And that was when I was like, I'm out. There is penis surgery. There oh, is uh, cancer biopsy. There's a full C-section from start to finish. Wait. Here's what I love besides all of that. One thing about their approach and this is similar to the approach that they took in Leviathan. They, they, they employ routine super close-ups, like where you, the viewer, might be in the dark for quite a bit of time regarding what exactly you're looking at. Mm. And they don't go in for chirons or explanations or big master shots so that you can get your bearings. They are, because because of the filmmakers they are, they're really interested in cinema's ability to be, to make, to make real things abstract, right? They're as interested in that as they are with giving you a full picture or giving you all the information that you might be sort of like, but what about this and what about that? Like, you know how I am. Mm. I'm sitting in there, I'm always sitting in the theater going, but what about, but what about, <sighs> but, you know. Uh, the part that I think would drive you over the edge more even so than the eye surgery, they, vis- they visit geriatric units of some of the public hospitals where there are just people who are living there with uh, dementia. And, and you see the patients sort of being sort of shuttled around and managed as they live their daily lives. And, and the, the, the point I think of that uh, is that your body, as you get older, when you turn 85 and you, you know, <laughs> need your family around to help you get off the floor, yeah. your body's going to go through a lot of weird stuff and go to a lot of weird places in life. And that includes your brain. Uh-huh. So it's better that you prepare for that possibility now. Way. you finally see a lot of the employees at the end because there's a going away party someone's going to work in Canada Mm -hmm. so the film ends with about a 10 minute long very loud dance party (laughs) 
in a basement. And it's a little shocking because someone, it would appear like an employee has painted a graphically sexual mural in the basement of one of these hospitals <laughs> where and painted the faces of other colleagues on the bodies of these <laughs> people doing these like, orgiastic things. It's nuts. HR. It's France. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, this film is a visual astonishment and it is tough to watch if you're not, uh, of a mind to watch a lot of, you know, invasive surgical procedures. But what I love- And hospice. And hospice care. Yeah. What I love about these filmmakers, love, love, love about these filmmakers is- they have a commitment to expanding your your ways of looking. You know, they go micro and specific, and you have to follow along. Uh, and that's why you're there watching it. You know, it's a story. It's the, If there's a story, you piece it together. You work for it. And you know what I, you know I love that. <laughs> love these guys. This is a great... Uh, and difficult documentary. Uh, and this won the Douglas Edwards Experimental Award from LA Film Critics last year. Yes, it did. <clears throat> but if if you ever watch it, and I know you don't want to, <laughs> I would direct you to like I would I would I would be your guide, right? Uh-huh. When, it, when it start when it, there there will be a moment when it streams or comes to Blu-ray, and if you ever want to, I'll watch it with you, and then I will. I will fast forward through the parts that are too gnarly for you. <sighs> we'll see. I think you should. Maybe. You want to talk about uh, past lives? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Why don't you describe that movie? Sure. So uh, we begin 24 years ago in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, we meet a young girl whose family is about to move to Canada. She has a very close relationship with a boy in her class, and um, they spend a lovely day together knowing that she's about to move away and they won't see each other again. Cut to 12 years later, she is now going by the name Nora. Um, She lives uh, in the States. She is an aspiring writer. And uh, through a series of connections, uh, finds the guy, Haisung, um, and uh, they begin to, commu- they, sh- they, they track each other down on Facebook and they begin communicating on Skype. Uh, and they talk for a while, but it's, you know, it's too removed, it's too weird, it's a little awkward and they don't really, it doesn't quite go to where they'd like, so they kind of, you know, chill on that. Um, she goes to Montauk for a writer's retreat and uh, meets a guy named Arthur and they wind up, uh, getting married 12 years after the Skype calls uh, she hears from Haisung again saying hey he's coming to town would like to see her they hang out they spend time together they ruminate on how their lives might have been different had she stayed in Korea Uh, they try and get a sense of who each other are now as people Arthur um, articulates the fact that in any telling of this story, he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the one getting in the way of this, like, you know, legendary romance. Right. 
And so it's about these three people in this extraordinary circumstance and sort of figuring out who they are and what they want and where's all this going to go. It is the uh, debut feature from writer-director Celine Song. It premiered at uh, Sundance this year, and it is one of the best films of 2023. I agree. Uh, I, re- I really love this. Yeah. Like, I really love this movie. Um, it's all, this is an entire movie of like little moments and things not being said and body language and accepting the awkwardness of a situation, but then also sort of being in it anyway. Yeah. Um, but is it a great romance? that they are missing out on somehow because honestly it was a childhood crush. Yeah. Yeah. And that and, might have become something else or it might've just been the first stop along the way to a, a variety of series of sure. relationships, which indeed is what it is. Yeah. As Drea pointed out when we talked about it on maximum film, um, you know, Nora's relationship with Arthur is its own like kind of, random you know yes how do these two meet kind of story like they have right. their, they have their own interesting story right the fact that they didn't that they and spent, they're solid yeah yeah the fact that they knew each other's children and then spent decades apart doesn't make their relationship any less you know uh, of notes right so yeah like you said there's so much to love here um it is a movie that does not need big incident no or outlandish complication Mm-mm. No misunderstandings, no deceptions, no villains, no reveals, no uh, nothing heightened from everyday life. It is just everyday life. Yeah. So films, uh, I think, they often teach, and that's not. I, I hate to use that word because it makes every movie feel like homework <laughs> uh, when you introduce the idea of learning something. But films do teach us. They do, we do learn from films about life and how, how, how we might be yeah. in idealized situations. They instruct. And they often instruct or teach us in spite of themselves because of elements the filmmakers didn't even consider uh, that they were doing. Right, you know, they, they maybe maybe the people in the film are are behaving outlandishly. Maybe these giant incidents are taking place, and there are things that that are so rare that that you couldn't really universalize that, you know. So we quote films like that. We 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 wish for scenarios like that. Those big moments. Uh, because we want we 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 learn to want the grand incident, right? <laughs> you know, we learn to want the outlandish complication because then it means we've you know accomplished something or triumphed over something, whatever it might be. But that's not life. Yeah, our life feels like a grand romance when really you know the the, the romances that matter are often, like you said, kind of assembled out of these sort of quotidian moments and emotions. Right. Real life is quieter and people tend not to be outsized villains or 
heroes. Because like everybody who tries to live a life in good faith and not to be an a-hole <laughs> who wants to care like about the people around them, they try and they fail and they miscommunicate and they make choices and some of those choices are made for them. So that's the what if of this movie. Yeah. Because this is a movie about what if. Right. And some of the choices are what you do with the version of life that you wound up in. Yeah, I, you know, as the child of immigrants myself, I occasionally would think about, what if my parents had never left Spain? What if right. I had been born there and grown up there? Well, you would be a smoker. <laughs> Maybe. That is a true thing. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's Every like... family member who lives in Spain is a smoker. Hmm. All Maybe of them. Maybe not all of them. All of them! <laughs> Even the twins, the babies, they're, they're smoking now, I bet. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they give you a pack of cigarettes when you're six <laughs> in Spain. They're like, go with, learn. With a juice box. Go learn. Um, yeah. No, I, beyond that, I don't, like, I, don't, I don't know what my life would have been like, what my opportunities would have been, what my interests would have been like. It, I would have been a totally different person. You would be in the discotheque smoking, <laughs> singing, don't you, you want me, baby? <laughs> Sorry, that is a perennial story that yes. Alonzo Duralde has told me many, many times, and every time he tells it, I think it's really great. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, so, everybody, the reason this, the reason I love this film so much is because it lives in the what if, mm-hmm. and realizes that you're never going to know what if. Yeah, you will never know what if, um, and all you can do is try to remember how to behave yourself (laughs) in the what if. Um, I love the filmmaking here. It's so quiet and gentle and so willing to live with the uncertainty. Uh, Celine Song, Mm -hmm. she, I think, is someone uh, I want to see the next film from her. Uh, I, I love how she's not just not afraid of silences. She lets everybody unpack them, right? Including right. the audience. Yeah. Um, three incredible lead performances here: Greta Lee, who I mainly know from the Morning Show, uh, as Nora Teo Yu as Hai Sung, and the wonderful John Magaro from First Cow uh, as Arthur. They're great, and they are. They they. They work together in that way that never feels actory. It just right. every moment right. feels like yeah. pe- actual people thrown into this situation. I remember Greta Lee. The first time I saw her was on the Amy Schumer show. She comes from comedy. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, and like all the comedy people, she is, I think, especially intensely attuned, dramatic, <laughs> attuned to a kind of sadness mm. that isn't. It's not really, it's not like sad, like... Melancholy. It's a melancholy, like the kind that makes you sigh (laughs) with a sort of, I don't know if I'm right right now. Mm. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing right now. And what if I'm not? And uh, Life is stupid. You know what I mean? Like it's (laughs) that kind of melancholy. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, y'all, 
It's still in theaters, right? Yeah, yeah. This is an A24 this movie. Has, this is not. They didn't push this real hard, and yet I'm very happy to learn that people are actually kind of well, word of mouthing it into staying in the theater. Yeah, well, look, yeah. they pushed it harder than showing up or you hurt my feelings, which both of which kind of feel like they disappeared really quickly. Yeah, this one I think has been allowed to platform and expand and, yeah. and really find an audience in a way that I wish those other two movies had also gotten to do. If you live in Los Angeles, you can still see showing up and you hurt my feelings at the Lumiere. Boom. <laughs> Unplanned. And that's our terrible neighbor's terrible dog. Oh, God. If you can hear that. We have a terrible neighbor. Yes. With a terrible dog. Yes. <laughs> uh, everybody. Yes. From the filmmaker Julie Cohen. Yes, who did the wonderful Julia Child documentary and yep. the Paulie Murray documentary and the RBG documentary. And uh, this has a logo at the beginning that makes me think it's going to wind up on like MSNBC or NBC. There's like an NBC News Like thing. a Peacock streaming thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll totally be on Peacock. Yeah. But Focus, another division of NBC Universal, is taking this out into theaters. Uh, and I'm glad where it are. currently is. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so this is a documentary about. And they've know, got it in like AMC theaters too, yeah. which I'm very excited Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so this is about uh, the I in LGBTQIA. It's about intersex people focusing on three people, sort of sharing their experiences. And uh, basically, people who are intersex are born with ambiguous genitalia or you know, whose uh, external genitalia may not necessarily match what's happening uh, with them internally. There may be stuff that would, under, you know, regular circumstances, be on the outside that's just stayed inside. Yeah. It, there are a variety of ways that being intersex can manifest itself. It's like 35 Physically. And, 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 and so uh, you are, I, I think that may have contributed to the, you know, the ways people have, the ways the medical establishment has has dealt with it. Yeah. Um, when someone is born intersex, they're like, oh, what do we do? Well, we do this for this person and we do that for that person. But invariably, up until very recently, and including right now. Right now, yeah. So many people are surgically altered before they are conscient, not conscientious. Conscious. Before they're conscious enough to say yes or no yeah, to when they're when babies they're, when they're babies or when they are toddlers the doctors go in and say oh we're going to fix it yeah, yeah. and and basically doctors sort of lean to whatever the external evidence suggests without really getting into you know yeah not waiting until they can actually have a so conversation guess what they the do person. they medically transition children before they have a chance to say what they want yes. which is what the right wing is accusing queer people of doing now yeah. And they are liars. Exactly. The, the same people who want to ban gender-affirming care for young people. Who know, in, their, who know their own in, minds. Including surgery, which doesn't happen to young people, want to force this same surgery on intersex individuals, whether they want it or not. When they are two. Yeah. Or younger. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, a very good friend of mine. Say and, that again, too, that surgery for trans people is not even a thing that happens until you are 18. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, and, and she wrote a that, book. That fact gets lost it a does. lot Absolutely. in this conversation. Yes. And it just, it, I've heard about it happening as young as 16 in like Germany. 
yeah. like Kim Petras. Right. You know? Um, but it's, but, you but, know, that's Germany. But what the right-wing hysteria would have you believe is, of course, just it's hysterical nonsense. Yeah. Um, anyway, the uh, a, a good friend of mine who is intersex, and she wrote a book about her experiences about yep. telling tales out of school, yep. uh, was uh, born with ambiguous genitalia, and the decision was made to raise her as a boy. Yep. She hit puberty. Her breasts came in. They pumped her full of testosterone. Yep. She uh, attempted uh, self-harm and was institutionalized for a while. Yep. And then eventually kind of came to understand who she is and what was going on with her body. But doctors for decades have been kind of clueless on this front. And keeping and, and keeping intersex people and their families in the dark about what yes. is actually happening. And telling like, them not to talk about it right. to anybody. And also there was one doctor in particular who is discussed in this film yeah. who actively put like complete misinformation out there that is still, or like until recently, or maybe right. even is still featured in medical textbooks for yes. treatment of this sort of thing. So. Yeah. It's a relatively new movement to have intersex people speaking for themselves and trying to make real changes within the medical community so that in future, children like this are able to find a path that suits them and don't have one forced upon them by the establishment. Um, you know, yes, these are these are big, important topics, but this film also really focuses on the three people that it's about. Um, Sean Saifa-Wall, Alicia Roth-Weigel, both of whom are, are activists, and mm -hmm. uh, Alicia Roth-Weigel particularly is very much a kind of lobbyist and, and right. involved in politics on a state and federal level. Right. And then uh, River Gallo, who is uh, uh, an actor and director and artist, and they all have, you know, different experiences they all sort of express different gender to the world now but they have this common thread between them of like what they dealt with at the hands of the of the medical industry and how they're trying to make things different in the future so uh, as a documentary uh this is a very direct uh uh what's the, straightforward what's the right word it's a very straightforward documentary uh there's no time for art <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think it's it, like let's get information into people's hands. Absolutely, and that's the that's the thing. And the stories are good enough; they're meaningful enough to carry it all. Um, did I need a dance party at the end? I did not. Sorry, that's a spoiler, <laughs> but that's fine. It earns everything else. I thought it, I, it. It didn't bother. It's me. sweet. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here's what else you get to see. Hey, you know what? You know what that dance party is, Dave. Yeah. Queer joy. I know. I know. <laughs> Listen. What does queer joy mean to me? I don't know. <laughs> Seeing French documentaries about surgery. Seeing French documentaries about <laughs> surgery. No. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about this and the kind of documentary that comes from Harvard Ethnography uh -huh. uh, Lab because... There are all kinds of documentaries yes, in the world. Yes, there are. There are uh, the ones that are urgent in terms of their information, mm -hmm. which is what this is. Yes. This is an urgently needed informative documentary. Yeah. And when you deliver that information in a very straightforward way, you reach the most people. 
when you deliver your information in an oblique abstract way that has art on its mind, yes. then you have Dehumanic Corpus Fabrica. <laughs> both of them are good documentaries and both of them serve their place sure, in the world. With maybe different agendas. Yes. I think this is a movie that is going to be very handy for parents who find themselves oh, yeah, for sure. in the and frankly, I think like this is I would be happy if this became part of the canon for pregnant women. Oh, in general, for sure. Get yeah. your copy of What to Expect When You're Expecting and, and also watch, watch everybody. Yeah, because it begins with some of the most outlandish Ugh. and insane news footage of gender reveal parties. Yes. Not that, the ones that start forest fires. And if but, you are uh, not queer, if you are a person who makes babies in the world, you have a task in your life, and that is... Go fix your people. Knock it off with the <laughs> gender reveal parties. Make them quit it. <laughs> make them stop. The only gender reveal parties should be auto reveal parties where people announce for themselves to everyone else. Here I am. Here I am. Here is my gender. Yes. Okay. No doing it on behalf of some unborn child. No. If I ever meet Tucker Carlson. Oh, God. First of all, he's getting punched in the face. <sighs> but he has the nerve and the shamelessness in this documentary to say the word intersex and, and then say, huh, whatever that is. Well, guess what? Yeah. Your staff told you what it is. And you chose not to care. And you choose actively to obliterate information that you could dispense into the world. You choose actively to speak nonsense to the world yeah. and hateful. And erase uh, the lives of hundreds of thousands yeah. of people. So I am really, really, really fed up to my limit with this idiot and other <laughs> idiot behavior from ignorant people who want to frame the discussion as something they shouldn't have to learn anything about. Yeah. Uh, we, queer people, we bend over backwards to teach non-queer people all the damn time. And then when you do tell them actual facts, they will say, well, that's your bias. I don't trust that you're right. Yeah. Again, I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> We've sure. allowed ourselves to become embroiled in pronoun wars. And it is obscuring the fact that every queer person is a life, a person who deserves dignity and decency. Yes. So, straight people who don't want to know stuff, scram, get out of the way. We will roll over you. But if you do want to know something, watch movie, this documentary. Movies like everybody are a good <laughs> step in the right direction. Uh, guess what I finally caught up to? Guess what I finally went to see? Uh, what? Little Mermaid. Oh. The littlest mermaid. The, the, yes. Guess what happened? The quote-unquote live-action Little Mermaid. Speaking of movies that are set entirely in front of green screens. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, guess what happened? What? Halle Bailey. Yes. Right? The star of Little mm -hmm. Mermaid. The new Ariel. Got dressed inconspicuously and went to the Grove to watch the film. Oh, funny. I don't know if she was alone or with friends, but she did that. And I think that's just delightful. I think that is so cool because what it means for her, right? Yeah. 
This is her first big thing. Yeah. Like, she's been on TV shows. Uh, was she on Blackish or Grownish or both? I, I couldn't tell you. I would have to go look that up. Sorry. She's part uh, of the Ish universe. She is part of the Ish television universe. Um, but this is her first big movie. Like, yes. she's the star yes. of this movie. Imagine that's you. And you buy your ticket to go see yourself well, yeah, cause at the Grove you in know, IMAX sure, or whatever. And you're like, you, oh my God. You know like, that like, this is my life now. You know yeah. she's probably seen the movie. You know that Disney, if, if she had asked, would like set up a screening for her. Not the same. But uh, exactly. Yeah. She wants to see it with ticket buying folks yeah. and hear the reaction. Let me and tell you something about the ticket buying folks at our screening of Little Mermaid. Uh-huh. Excited. Wow. Excited, lots of kids too. Could have used fewer of those. <laughs> I hate when kids show up. Hate it when kids. kids hate it when kids show up to kid movies. <laughs> but that's why I used to love it. There was the one house at the ArcLight where there was always twenty one and over because yeah. it was connected to the bar. Yeah. And so, like, if they were ever showing a cartoon in there, I was like, yes, that's how I want to see it. Can I tell you the greatest thing that happened during our screening? So just before Ariel saves. Eric. That boy, whatever is whoever he is. Just before she saves him. Here he's, comes you know, that boy. He's on the boat, and the boat is crashing and uh-huh. sinking. And he... At the beginning of the movie. At the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And he is sinking down into the water, and the camera just shows him sinking further and further into the water, like mm-hmm. a big, up from above Like he's shot. falling backwards. He's falling backwards into the water. It is at this exact moment that a tiny little toddler... In a big loud voice, says, "Bye bye." <laughs> That's okay. I could not. I all right, kids. A, you're allowed to kids. All I could do to con- not convulse myself. <laughs> bye bye. Did anybody else laugh? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is why Halle Bailey is buying tickets. <laughs> To hear those nuggets. Um, okay, so you've already talked about this quite a bit on Breakfast All Day, and yes, didn't you also talk about it on Max Film? Uh, no? Did y'all talk about it on, it on Max, Max Film? film? Okay. But I reviewed it for Film Verdict. Did, did I not talk about it on this show? No, because I we were was, waiting we were for, you waiting to see for it. me. Okay. So here I go. Okay, all right. So with IP, yes, this full of demands, right? Demands from the corporation. You know, there's a Little Mermaid Bible. Somewhere oh yeah. Of like, here's what you're gonna do. Here's what you're not gonna do. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> where each character is gonna do this. Each character is not gonna do this. Yeah. I mean, this is this is yeah. technically you know public domain IP, but it, it um, is. But it's but it, it, now is, it, a, now it's, it is a a devoted remake of a, a beloved you know. Now it's run by Disney. Yes. Informally or not. Yeah. So the corporation itself wants to update a thing that they've already done and kind of iron out any lingering trouble that the original animated film might represent to them now. Right, right. And from audiences who grew up with that original and who now have children of their own Mm -hmm. viewing age. So that would be like the youngest and cuspiest Gen Xers and the oldest millennials. Yeah. With like little kids. Yeah. Right. 
there was never going to be room for any innovation beyond the digital spectacle mm -hmm. of it all. Which I would say this: the underwater sequences are mm -hmm. breathtaking. Like it looks photorealistic. Yeah, and, the, the but also, but also. Uh, uh, wildly colorful in ways that you might only find in certain parts of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure they, they cobbled every cool thing that lives in the ocean and put them that all in neon colored one yeah. coral reef. Yeah. yeah. But no, I liked all the rippling and the prisms and, yeah. and the uh, mermaid costumes. Right. Uh, also, they have gone with uh, a, a very sort of 90s colorblind casting, <laughs> which is interesting to me. Uh, uh, and it, and and because of that, it is not nothing that Halle Bailey is here. Of course, it is major. Uh, it angered all the right people. And it, yes, it's good for at least the reason that it made racist people angry. Yes, um, and they should forever have their horribleness shown to them whenever they show their asses in public or private. Yes. So. Let's talk about Halle Bailey for a moment. She's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I did not know how well she could sing. She can sing very, very well. Yeah. No. She only gets like two songs or three. I don't know. But like, she knocks she's, them out. She's got the, she's got the Broadway lungs. She is a star. And, and that's another reason why I'm so happy that she went to the Grove <laughs> to watch herself. To see herself being what she is now. Yeah. Right? And um, she's the reason to go see it. Pretty much. She is the reason to go see it. Uh, I will say, I you know, look, I, I if Disney said, we're not doing this anymore, we're going to let our animated classics be right. and not right. come up with these quote-unquote live-action no, versions. It's, 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 it's human beings against next to animation or inside animation. It's, yeah, it's an, It is the logical, the logical conclusion. It's the logical conclusion of uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks and Mary Poppins, where they dropped people into right. uh, two-dimensional animation and... And it looked real cool. But, but like, but when, when, okay, this movie, like, you have to have Flounder is now a flounder. Right. And guess what? Guess who's not as expressive as a cartoon flounder? An actual flounder. Right. I know. I know. Uh, anyway, yeah. if Disney were doing as they were going to just not do this anymore, I would be thrilled because yeah. I, generally speaking, find all of these movies really, to varying degrees of tedious, although some of them are obviously more successful than others. Yeah. Um, and I did not need an extra hour of Little Mermaid. It is an, a full hour. A full it is a full hour. Hour. The original one. Um, Crazy. I, I did, crazily enough, though, enjoy the new Lin-Manuel Miranda material. Yeah. Yeah. Prince Eric gets a song. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, yeah. um, I, could, I, could, I could have stood like... If that had been a cardboard cutout of a human being... <laughs> I thought he was, I wouldn't have known the I, I, Look, I think if you're going to if you're trying to cast somebody I who looks like a cartoon, they looks, did a good job. He looks like a cartoon prince, only actual an actual human being. Yeah, like, um, and it's hard to pull off that pop collar dimple I, thing. I guess. That the Disney prince. I think he he's I think genetically he's engineered to be this person. I'm going to assume that this actor is a good actor. This film does not prove sure. anything to me. Fair enough about that. So I liked his song. I liked yeah. the the comedy uh, sort of rap ish number that that Aquafina and um, Scuttle, Diggs get. Scuttlebutt. 
the scuttlebutt. The scuttlebutt. Song. Yeah, the yeah. scuttlebutt song. Um, it's it's this movie's getting married today. Kinda, yeah. It goes <laughs> very fast. Uh, so it's a Rob Marshall movie. Yeah, which means it's not a Rob Marshall movie at all, <laughs> because he's a contract guy. He's not someone who walks in and says. I'm going to put my own spin on this. No, like not. he is a guy who makes solid films he, for the corporation. He goes along to get along. Like yeah. he, Chicago works because uh, Bill Condon cracked the code right. and was like, "What if we made the whole movie be inside of Renee Zellweger's head?" Yeah, and that was a cool idea. And Rob Marshall ran with it. Yeah. Then Rob Marshall tried to do the exact same thing with Nine, and it didn't make any sense at all, and it was terrible. Yeah. And then every other movie he's made has basically just been like amiably competent at right. best. Yes. He makes, again, he makes solid films that the corporation wants. That is not necessarily bad, but it is simply what happens when a deeply risk averse entity has a few hundred million dollars on the line to make a movie. Yeah. It's at stake, and they want someone who will take and abide by all of their notes. Yeah. And he does. And and so you know, good for him. He 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 is the kind of director that they used to have a whole lot of back in the day. Company men. And and uh, this one is fine and occasionally good, and and it is good and sometimes great when Halle Bailey is out there breaking underwater glass <laughs> with her voice. I also did kind of enjoy Melissa McCarthy. I was about to ask. I know people what are, your are sort of like going on, meh, 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 Pat Carroll. But like, well, I, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. And they're not wrong. Yeah, but I like Melissa McCarthy. And I like, I, I like that, you know, I like that she's given it her best divine. And well, that but is, that's the thing, though. I don't think she is. I think that if you had let Melissa McCarthy go. Oh, no, no. If you'd let her go off unhinged, she would be one of her groundlings characters <laughs> and she would have stolen the whole film because she's deeply unsettlingly hilarious yes when she's given free reign and so to do I, that I, kind of I, thing. I I feel yeah. like she too is stuck by these corporate dictates sure to not take it she, anywhere within the parameters that Pat Carroll didn't given Rob Marshall Melissa McCarthy's doing what she can do I, yeah, but that's not that's not good enough. Like, I know. <laughs> you, it, again, I said it's fine. It's you know, fine, I think Alonso. I think it's, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I I just either let her go wild with it or cast somebody cast the equivalent of Rob Marshall of like a competent, you know, performer who's going to show up and hit their marks and do the thing and go home. You know, but like, don't dangle Melissa McCarthy at me like she's going to get a chance to reinvent this character and then completely hammer in yeah i know got some letters okay we've already talked about patreon you don't need to hear that again nope roxanne says i love linoleum knife well thank you thank you roxanne but i'm having a difficult time finding it on other sites i don't use twitter or facebook on general principle and i only have my android smartphone I know my problem is not important to you. <laughs> Untrue. <laughs> yes, it is. But do you have any other suggestions to load it onto my phone? Well, you, you I would you, like in, you, in the header she mentions that Stitcher is apparently closing oh, down. Oh yeah, that's the head, the headline. Stitcher is closing down. So here's the question I have uh, for you, Alonzo. Mm -hmm. What is she talking about at all? 
because I don't understand a single word of this letter. Okay. All right. Do you know what a podcatcher is? No. Okay. No, Again, we've only been doing this show for nearly 13 What does it years. do? What's that? What happened? Okay. All right. You know the part of the show at the end where I say things and you've already tuned out? Right. And I talk about how this show is available on Apple Podcasts. Podbean. And if you, yes, exactly. If you leave a pod, if you leave pod, a podbean. five-star review and I don't know what a podbean is. Okay, it's an app. I just hear you say words. It's an app. Okay. So you could download to your phone in the way that you could download Stitcher Radio. All right. You could download Podbean or Castbox or Spotify. What's it called? Castbox. Castbox. Yes. Or or Spotify. Spotify or iHeartRadio. And apparently Spotify doesn't work for her or something. Uh, she sure. was having issues with Spotify, but I it, okay. it's working for me. I don't know what the time right. there on that one. All right. Uh, but yeah, so there these are many places where you can get the show into your phone, and then that way you can listen to it on the go if you're commuting, if you are so in your car. It's like it's like all your podcasts in one place. Yeah. You, and you listen to them in a queue. Yeah, is you that sub- what it you means? Subscribe to what you well, want. I just, and learned, it loads up I just learned what a podcatcher so is. So, how do you listen to podcasts, Dave White? Well, I go to my laptop and I put my headphones into the laptop, mm-hmm. and then I go to the website of the podcast and I listen to that one episode of the podcast. Oh, Grandpa! That's what I do. Oh, Grandpa, me that. Well, stop, stop grandpawing, and I'll stop grandpawing. I will grandpa all damn long day. Oh, my God. This is, Do you listen. have to let the radio tubes cool down if you listen for too long? I know about podcasts, <laughs> and I go listen to them. Chained you know, to your chair and nowhere else. Well, where else would I be listening to Anywhere else. In where? the car. No. That's on a what, walk. Listen, I'm going to tell you what happens. When we do dishes, no. and I put my phone in the mug so, to use it as a speaker. I know, listen, I'm going to tell you what I do uh-huh. in every place I'm at. Okay. When I'm in the car, mm-hmm. I'm either listening to my own quiet thoughts mm-hmm. or I am listening to terrestrial radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Grandpa. I, when I am in the kitchen doing dishes or cooking, mm-hmm. I am listening to my iPod that has... <laughs> 29,000 songs into inside it okay. in its little charging dock with speakers, and I'm doing that in there. When I'm in the office, okay, I am listening to the turntable okay. while I'm organizing things or ironing or dusting or vacuuming or cleaning or whatever. I've got a, We have a turntable in there. I'm listening to records. I go to the Punch and Judy show. You right. <laughs> Listen, if I'm in the living room doing things in the living room, we have a CD player and a cassette player in the living room and I'm listening to music on those formats okay. on from that place. So I have a I have a way of listening to things. But if I want to listen to a podcast, I want to listen to a podcast and I'm going to sit here at my laptop and I'm going to listen to it. And that is why if your podcast is like 4 hours long, guess what? I might only get through like 45 minutes to an hour of it. <sighs> well, this has been very educational all around. But I did um, learn today what a podcatcher podcatcher is. Yes. yes. And that's, listen, Grampy. <laughs> Can still learn pa- some new Papa. tricks. Pa- Papa learned. Pep, pep. Pep, pep, learned some things today. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for your nice letter, Roxanne, and I hope that we got you squared away with a new podcatcher. 
I mean, you better hope that you did that. We did. She she got back to me. Yes. Okay. She's All good right. to go. Daniel says, "I appreciate the Nobody's Hero review." Oh, thank, oh, thank you. you. It's a French movie. Strand is releasing it. Alain Giraudy. We reviewed it in the last episode. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Uh, he said, I'll definitely try to catch it if it comes here to Salt Lake City. Hmm. I saw Stranger by the Lake based on the LK review, and I was riveted and bewildered in equal amounts. What else can you ask from a movie? <laughs> I love when a filmmaker, just, a filmmaker just goes for it without regard to a consistent tone. <laughs> it's one of the things I love about Almodovar. Yeah. I always think about early on in my relationship with my partner and his choice of talk to her for a movie night. Hello. It was a wild ride yeah. through melancholy drama, male platonic bonding, wacky comedy, and eventually down to an ending that made me feel like I had truly been punched in the gut. I don't think it would have affected me as much in a more tonally downbeat film. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Well, goodbye. End of podcast. That's uh, us. I, the, it's the end of the podcast. I have a public service announcement. Do you? Yes. The yeah. world of streaming is imploding. Uh, all of the companies are yanking things left and right off of their servers, yeah. making them unavailable. Just a reminder yeah. that if you love a movie or a TV show and you don't own it on physical media, you won't necessarily always be able to access it when you want to because you cannot rely upon corporate interests to always make available to you the things that you want, even though that was supposed to be the promise of this technology. So just a quick reminder to everybody that I write a column yes. every month at yes. thespool.net, T-H-E-S-P-O-O-L, thespool.net, where I highlight the new releases in DVD and Blu-ray every month. And so, uh, yeah, you know, we, Max Go read it be because it is super informative. You know. Uh, you will know what's out there. You know, it just yeah. Everybody, all, all the streamers are are playing nasty buggers, as they say, and so you've just got to build your own library and 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 know that that's how you're going to have things. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. As I mentioned, uh, Apple Podcast five star review, blah blah blah. I already said that part. Find um, a podcatcher and put it in the podcatcher. Yes, do, and then do that. Listen via the podcast with an app. Yes. It's all very exciting. That's yeah. Uh, other shows that you can listen to via podcatcher are other shows that I'm on, namely Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network, Breakfast All Day, which you can listen to on a podcatcher or watch on YouTube, uh, and Deck the Hallmark. Um, speaking of Deck the Hallmark, I will be in Greenville, South Carolina next week for yep. Bramble Fest. So yep. if y'all are around, um, come and say hey. Uh, thank you, Blue, as always, for our wonderful theme music. Go check out all of his wonderful work at bleu.bandcamp.com. Follow us at LinoleumCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. I'm so glad we had this time together. We'll be back soon with more. Until then. Goodbye.